Hello, and welcome to the No Good Poetry Podcast. Each week we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of poetry. This is episode 97 with... Joseph Makos and... Joseph B. Evans. This is the good, bad, and the ugly, isn't it? There's some ugly shit out there, kids. Let's make the world safer for poetry. Are you sure you know your name, dude? Why do you say that? I just hesitated when you said your last name. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm trying to have proper, proper recording technique and slow down. Yeah, slow things down a little bit. <laughs> make it more, make things more chill. And, then it, you know. and I'm trying to slow down and get into carnival mode. Oh, really? Is carnival mode about slowing down? <laughs> I thought it was about speeding up. I think it's about slowing down. It is. Taking, try to, I think that is a usual theme of Mardi Gras Day is to try to take your time and let it last as long as it can, right? Being well, the, and it's also like, you as know, best you can. Yeah, well, that you kind of have to. Everything else kind of grinds to a, to a halt, which is one of the nice things about it. I've been getting, all the, 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 the smoke signals are, are flaring up, and I've been getting messages from a bunch of people who are going to be in town. So there's all sorts of people that are coming in, just just folks who are like, hey, are you going to be in New Orleans for Mardi Gras? Of course I'm well, not. That's cool, but yeah, but it's also like, but I'm saying like business grinds to a halt, right? Business absolutely grinds to a halt. Like you're like, you know, if you, if you try to get anyone to talk about any business right now, they're like, just talk to me after Mardi Gras. They're like, this is, you know. It is a thing. It is a thing that we do here where, <laughs> where, um, where, where people start, stop responding to emails and it's just things are so slow. Well, they moving. might respond, but they're like, all right. They're like, we can't really plan that right now. Like, get back to me yeah. when Mardi Gras is done. Get back to me when Mardi Gras is done. I know, I know. It's like, it's like, it's like the thing, the, the reason, the reason we, uh, we're, we're I, don't, I don't even want to say it, but, you know, it's like, Somebody once said, I'm not going to say who it is, but Mardi Gras is the reason that New Orleans can't compete with the rest of the country. It used to be, that used to be such a good thing. I wish it were still like that. That was one of the nice things, right? No, but it is a nice thing because it's like, it is. All right. In some weird way, we get to have a break from capitalism for. I mean, we don't totally, because there's a big capitalistic part of Mardi Gras. But, there's a huge capitalistic part. But for the average person, you kind of get a break from it in some way, right? It's like, okay, well. Yeah. You can be like, I can't, you know, streets are closed. Can't get through. You can't get through. You can't do anything. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm, always, I'm always curious and interested in the people who end up here. Mar- on Mardi Gras Day and have no idea that Mardi Gras is going on. Do you think that there's people Well, I always like, think it's hilarious on Mardi Gras Day when you see people with suitcases trying to leave and go to the airport on Mardi Gras Day and you're like, what are you doing? What? I mean, that sounds like a nightmare. How are you ever going to get to the airport? <laughs> <laughs> or like, what are you even doing? Like, yeah, I remember- Why would you? Why would you not stay? I remember you're last there. year, I remember last year there was like during Mardi Gras Day there was like a runner like someone who is just like in their jogging shorts, like with their like ten- their, their like trainers on, just running, like like just jogging, and it's like Mardi Gras day, and there's all this crazy stuff. And there's just like some random person just. Jogging, but there are there is this jogging like, through the quarter. yeah, but there is this like there are there are these like locals too. We just don't do it. Have some aversion to Mardi Gras. They think it's horrible or something, which I always think is such a shame. And I I think I mean I can understand how that might happen. Because if you get the wrong part of Mardi Gras and that's all you think it is. Sure. Like, I can see how you can get a negative opinion of it. But well, I someone think- needs to take them to some other part of Mardi Gras and let them see it's something else, too, you know? I think there's a misperception. I think there's a, I think there's a very misperception of Mardi Gras, and I think it's because of how... A lot of national news stories cover. Yeah, well, certainly like outside here, but I'm talking. But there's local people too who they don't have that idea of it, but still they never found their niche. Their their well, they never found any of the little interesting parts of it that are not the big overblown parts of it. Right, and the big overblown parts. Some of that can be fun too, but I can see a, that's certainly not for everyone. Most of that's not for me. 
Like, there's some per- big parades I like going to. But yeah, I'll go I see mean, muses, you know. If that's all that I was doing, I don't think I'd be that excited about it, right? You know? Yeah. But, um, but I think for some locals, that's all they've ever experienced. And they feel like, well, I'm local. I've had, I've gone to my endymion parties and my whatever, and it was never that fun. And, uh, the big uptown parades are so done with it, yeah. you know? Yeah. But there's um, so much more nuance. So much more little culture into it. Yeah. You know well, mean? there's all kinds of things, right? You know? Well, you know, I think if you have not ever, like, spent the time to, like, really hand make a costume and go out in that thing on Mardi Gras Day, like, it almost doesn't matter where you go. Yeah. It's just so much more fun. If you've like spent the time of putting a costume together and go out into the world and people react and you know people want to come up and have their connection with whatever your costume is in whatever way and you know that's like a fun part of it. Yeah, random people like really like your thing or you like their thing. Yeah. Yeah. You you see people who have put their entire year into one thing. Yeah, and not that you have to. I mean, I, I tend to go overboard and put way too much time into it. But not that you have to put a ton of time into it necessarily to make a good costume. But, like, it's to make something in some way rather than just buy some thing. Oh, I got a phone call. Sorry. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> hello? It is. Who's this? I, hey, what's up, man? I, I thought you had a B, I thought you had a Baton Rouge number. We we got So we got We just got a call in from a poet. Do you have anything to say, poet? Uh, I'm, I have a New Orleans number. <laughs> that, okay, this is this is this is okay. Even though, even though Vincent Salucci does not know that we're recording a podcast right now and that he's on speakerphone, we're still we're still gonna. Do, 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 Vince, do you do you happen to actually do you actually do you actually happen to have a Mardi Gras poem? A Mardi Gras poem? Yeah, like have you ever have you ever attempted to write a poem about Mardi Gras or concerning Mardi Gras? Actually, I actually did once. Uh, it was it was kind of a spoof. It was. Uh, it was called to be read to be read when I was when I'm poet laureate of Louisiana and started making fun of all these cheesy Louisiana poems. Um, it's probably on a hard drive somewhere. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean. Okay, so it, it's it's kind of. Would you would you would you agree that it would? Do you think it would be easy or difficult to be to write like a, a really good poem about Mardi Gras? Uh, I think it's both easy and difficult. Uh, <laughs> You know, I mean, I could think about a dozen gumbo, you know, poems. Beth Ann Finley has that great poem about getting fingered with crawfish uh, fingers. Uh, So, you know, I think, (laughs) like, you know, I think think anybody that's writing a Barty Girl poem, no matter how bad it is, is thinking it's good. And I think anybody that's writing a really good Barty Girl that thinks, Mardi Gras poems are cheesy. It's probably good too. <laughs> like there, like there's like a low hanging fruit. So you're basically you're saying that there is there is like a low hanging fruit Mardi Gras poem that can just you can grab it. Or but like to actually write a nuanced, really good Mardi Gras poem. I feel like I feel like Mardi Gras is so bizarre and so strange in so many ways that it's actually would be challenging to write a Mardi Gras poem. Like it's 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 hard, you know, because there's I think it'd be cha- challenging to write one that's not. Like, that isn't the low-hanging fruit, you know, uh, like you said. Um, you know, actually, one of my favorite little, I haven't written about this, but I had this image of one of my friends, it was the most disgusting thing I think I've ever seen, but it was like some distant, it was like a friend removed of, of a friend who was raking vomit on a screened-in porch on the floor with a pizza box, but it was like a zen garden, like, like it was like this... <laughs> And he was trying to get it out, and it was like, I think that's a Mardi Gras poem. <laughs> it very well could be. <laughs> you know, I think Popeyes is responsible for more Mardi Gras poems than any poet. Oh, man. 
Well, it's just there's so many different Mardi Gras, you know. There's so you can have so many different Mardi Gras. You know, you could be locked in on Canal Street watching Rex, or you could be in St. Anne, or you could be, you know, marching around with Zulu with with a Zulu, or you could be you could be doing Julu with Julu. You know, you could be marching around yeah. with the marching crew. You, you know, could be, uh, you know, on the yeah. other side of Claiborne. It's like the form, and, and you know, and it's funny because Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras has both form and is like totally spontaneous. You know, spontaneous free verse too, and so it's like, you know, I think the Mardi Gras poems that suck are the formal ones, and and I'm obviously you know more contemporary free verse experimental poet, and I think the same thing with the you know same thing with Mardi Gras, like the super formal you know Rex parade, was it's horrible to me, but then like you know you go out to like some of these impromptu carts and you know different crews that aren't even blocking off parades and just doing their own things, and that's those bands are like as cool as it gets, you know. I saw one that was a, second, a jazz funeral for the Statue of Liberty that was just a random offshoot on T-Rex. <laughs> or, I mean, at Crew de Vue last weekend was killer. Uh, did you did you buy your ticket to the Mardi Gras yet, Vince? <laughs> you know, I'm selling them. I'm always selling them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you're a vendor now. You're a vendor now. <laughs> yeah, everyone through me. Well, well, uh, yeah, we're 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 just uh, we're about to read some poems here. Uh, talk about Mardi Gras poems a little bit. So um, it was it was great that you di- you dialed in to reach out about that topic. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I wanted to holler at you about the vaporwave thing. So when you're offline, give me a buzz back, and I wanted to. Sounds good. We're going to be talking about that too on the show. So you were you were our our, our unexpected guest on our episode today. Thank you. <laughs> I will do, man. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. So, yeah. So that was a good point, right? Because Vince just said, Vince is like, you know, but I, if you wrote yeah. a really, if you wrote like, okay, you know, there's many Mardi Gras, right, going on simultaneously. That's that's just the truth, you but know. But it makes me want to do like a, uh, like some weird conceptual list poem of Mardi Gras Day. Although I would have to like somehow be conscious of recording it. If all you did all day long was wrote a list of every of every costume you saw, oh my god, it would be weird as hell. Imagine that if that's all you did was just had like a list of things you saw people dressed as. Like some things would be mundane, you know, but then you would get like weird. Definitely a lot of bizarre stuff, <laughs> especially if you focused in on somebody's outfit. You could really like. Go off. You could go off. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a whole other thing if you get allowed description in. But even if it was just like a straight list of, you know, and then the repetition would be interesting. Because you always get things that whatever, for whatever reason, are like popular that year. You know, how many, how yes. many Trump how many things Trumps are there going to be? Like, and, and, and well, and then all the variations like Donald Trump as, you know, yeah, of course. And Donald, the satire. You know, you know, like, but, but that repetition, if you just listed literally the things like, Trump with wall, Trump with, you know, like, you'd get that weird repetition, but then you'd have, you know, like, your generic things, like, unicorn. Yeah, you know, unicorn like hunter. Yeah, but I'm, I'm imagining, like, a thing where I don't describe them, where you just say, like, a base description of what the costume is, and just, like, a long list. Yeah, because there is going to be all those bizarre ones, you know? Yeah, and just then like- a bizarre one would get thrown in every now and then, yeah, but then you'd have a lot of, like, mundane. Yeah. I mean, you could do that, I guess, without actually recording Mardi Gras Day. I could just look at a picture of the St. Anne parade or something. And just <laughs> yeah, the St. Anne parade specifically is yeah, one yeah. of those ones that's going to that's gonna always be like, you know, you're going to see all sorts of bizarre stuff in that one, you know? Uh, so, yeah, so this topic has come up where, you know, we've, in the, in the past, I feel like we've mentioned it maybe. Uh, yeah, I've uh, never written a Mardi Gras poem, have you? I I wrote uh I wrote I wrote a poem about carnival yeah I have I I wrote that that poem ventilation okay and and it's really remember. more about like uh it's really more about um Saint Anne and it's about it's about the, I don't it, remember that one no have you read that on here before I maybe have. oh you have okay I, I was gonna it. say maybe you should yeah. read it. I mean we could read it again I suppose um yeah I've we never, can come back to it yeah, at the end but you I've know never, I've never written one and 
I'm trying to think if maybe I imagine there must be poems that have pieces of Mardi Gras in it, but they're not jumping to mind necessarily. No, not but, really. Like know. like nothing I can think of that's you know that's like outstanding. You remember the thing, you know the the. Uh, one that does come to mind, I mean, because I did years ago, I, 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 um, I had a little chapside series where I was doing these little broadsides that were like one fold folders. It was like more of greeting cards uh-huh. ish, issue, ish, greeting card ish stuff. And it was a little bit like I did a, I did a tall one and a long one. And I did one for Kerwick and I did one for Brian Boyles and I did one for Gina Ferrara. And the one that I did for Gina was, um, you know, one of, one of my favorite, uh, you know, bands in New Orleans, I would say top three for sure, the Rebirth Brass Band. Um, and this was, this actually is, the caveat to this is that it's a Lundigraw. It's Lundigraw, which is even more rare. It's even more rare. Okay, but it is, I mean, I think, you know, trying to find Mardi Gras poems, Gina has two really good two ones. Two really yeah, great Gina ones. Gina has two really good ones. And since you're talking about that, so you did a, you did a chapbook of this. We should read Well, chapside, yeah. You did a chapside of this one. And, uh, what was the story behind that? How did that come about her? You know, she sent me a, 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 a she sent me a bunch of poems, and I was just blown away by this one, and I, I I loved it so much. I was like, look, this is its own separate thing. It felt it felt like when I read the when I read the poem, I remember it was like I was reading a little manuscript of her stuff, and it was like it was like ten or fifteen pieces, and this one just I just saw it as like this stands alone as its separate piece. Yeah, just yeah, a completely yeah. separate thing. And I was like, can I do this little one fold broadside for her, for you? And she loved it. You know what I? I put a little image of the trumpet player on the back of the broadside, and it, it came out really good, you know? Um, so here it is. Lundi Gras and the Rebirth Brass Band, post-Katrina, by Gina Ferrara. The pink-haired girl danced with the man dressed as a genie, his pants a flimsy orange dream, crinkled crepe to the touch, once the wish was made as a brush against velvet, They sipped absinthe that stemmed the glass green, listening to the rebirth emerge in snare drums and a pair of cowbells. Seven roosting pigeons stirred into incandescent flutters. Horns faced the river, and each camellia bloomed beyond the reach of a trombone, nearly sliding to the lowest hemisphere with glimmers of polished brass, blowing hymns, riffs, the city's sorrows to shards. No, I like that a lot. I wonder, oh, well, I guess we should certainly explain, like, so Mardi Gras is Tuesday, Lundi Gras is the day before, for our non-Louisiana listeners. But Side note on that. Yeah. You know how everyone's saying, like, uh, all these events now in New Orleans, they're like the such and such gras, and it's a gras. And yeah, yeah, I'm, like, yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, dude, it's like, you, yeah, oh, you, you have, oh, you have burrito week, gras? That means it's burrito fat. <laughs> Like it's all something fat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people don't understand that that all their events are something fat. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I think they do, but it's just like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think they're. But yeah, but I mean, I like that poem a lot. But I also wonder. It must be so different if you don't get. I'm sure it's still a good poem, but it's like. How can you possibly understand? No, but like, there's so much. The there's movie. so much like context, like. All right, again, for non-New Orleans listeners. Like, Lundi Gras, like, the big thing you do is you go down to Waldenburg Park, and there's all these bands playing right by the river, and then you hang around till Zulu comes off the boat, and they come uh, meet up with Rex, the King of Rex, and then Zulu has their big kind of concert-y thing down by, down by the aquarium over there. But... You know, and you can tell that's where they are in the poem if you know that. If you don't, it, I don't know if it matters. It's still a good poem, but um, there's context. But that's like, yeah, a but little it, critical. Yeah, but the context like changes it, I guess. You know, maybe it makes it more more effective. More effective, but in, in, in very particular reference of a place. It's but like, I like that it's not, which could be a danger of trying to write a poem like that. She doesn't try to explain it. She doesn't. Which no. is nice, you know, it's just there. And it's like, if you don't know that, you don't know that. And I yeah. think it still works if you don't know that. But if you do, it's like adds another little thing. Like you, you've been in that place, you've been there and had that similar experience, experience. you know. Yeah. 
And yeah, and like I don't know if you don't know who Rebirth is, maybe that changes it or not. You know, look them up. <laughs> yeah, well, you I was should, just at yeah. the Rebirth last night. They were great. Well, I haven't seen them in a long time. I don't think it's been it's been a while. Oh, they're so good. But there, I was gonna so tight. No, Gina. I mean, I don't know. Uh, Gina has some good Mardi Gras. Should we just read her other one while we're at it? Oh yeah. That one's really good. You want to take this that? Good. This is like more of a, like an actual Mardi Gras poem. A Mardi Gras Indian poem, right? Yeah. Seventh Ward Chief. The chief is swathed in a pink cloud, borrowed from dusk with beads of prophetic dreams around his head. Turquoise surrounds his heart. He is in a crowd. He's on a levee. He's in a field. He's on a hill. He is your first memory. He is your soft apparition. He is the strength of your bones. He parts honeysuckle with his hands. Currents become still. Mahogany darkens as he chants. Whoever you are, you will be at the top, the top of the blue space. He flips the hour, the top of the blue space. You will be at the top, whoever you are, blue space, blue space. Superlatives of blue, superlatives of space, blue space, blue space. His echo of blue space are peacocks sounding like stones on the moon in the surefire indigo in this azure blaze, watching the pink, watching the chief drift. Hours before the ashes appear. Wow, <clears throat> that's that's a really nice one. <laughs> that's intense, man. And again, I don't know. I mean, I think it would still be nice, but like, there's a lot of like encoded. There is, <laughs> like both. Understanding what those costumes are like, but also like I don't know, like the parting the honeysuckle feels like a very. I mean, that's like a very like Southern Louisiana thing. Like, I mean, you can't go out in the country anywhere and not come across these this wild honeysuckle growing everywhere. That's nice, you know. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> you know, Gina has this way of really like of really like um of. Uh, of just using the right right words, you know, and, and, and really painting this picture. That's you know, she really she really has a sort of commodity in that one. and yeah, repetition it's and commodity. Good. Yeah. You know, she there, there's almost like not a word that's that's unnecessary. No. You know? That's so good. I like I like the line that's the, I, this is amazing line. And I this is like his echo of blue space are peacocks sounding like stones on the moon. Yeah. That's so good. No, but like and then that peacocks thing I think think feels like that's doing a lot of a lot of stuff New Orleans reference wise. I mean sure you got the kinda peacock ex- aspect of the Mardi Gras Indian outfits, but then you think of like peacocks as part of the city as they have been in different ways, right? Your little Yeah. Places where they're around. Yeah, it's a sweet little piece that, and again, it's again, it's uh, it's 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 a Mardi Gras poem, but it's also it's a Mardi Gras Indian poem. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And there's and there's and you know there's a there's a certain language and things too. I think I think we we found this article from a hot minute ago that was a 1988 offbeat article from John Sinclair. And you know, while it focuses on 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 music specifically, I want to say that just just so you know our listeners know. There is there is a real rich sort of tradition. Well, and you've got that whole part overlap of, like, of the, and, of well, the and music and the calls and the, Indians, the language like of the Mardi Gras Indians. It's very poetic, into, you know. Yeah, it has a real, real particular regionalist. <laughs> I mean, you know, like it's always fun. you can spend hours just like getting into the argument of. Uh, to the various arguments of what is the origin of Yakimo Fina, eh? Oh, God, yeah. But it was funny, you know, I think last Mardi Gras season I was, like, looking into it. Doing a little research on that? I don't know why I was looking at it. I was like, I was just curious. You know, I mean, I think a lot of people think it's Yoruba or, like, related to Yoruba in some way. But some people try to make an argument that it's related to some native language. But it's probably something African. But uh, But it was funny, but then... Prof's friend, uh, Jeffrey, who I know well, I was doing this research, and he, because he's a linguist, you know, 
And, and I found something of him talking about it, and I was like, you know, I was like, that's funny. I didn't know you did stuff with African languages, but then I was looking <laughs> into that, and I saw your name in there. That's you, right? And he was like, yeah, yeah, that's me. You know, he was like, that's wow. I'm like, that's the stuff that happens, right? You start going into it, and you're like, oh, yeah, I want to know the people talking in these conversations, and that's always good, you know? Wow. So where does it? So where is that? Where I mean, do you have any? Oh man, if you if you look into that, there are literally volumes and volumes of articles like arguing about because some people really want to make it. I mean, some people have stances of some people want it to be a connection to some kind of native peoples for various reasons, right? And then some people want it to be. Uh, would be an African connection for various reasons. Some people think it's just made up nonsense. You know? <laughs> uh, the African stuff seems the most compelling to me. Uh, but none of it's like, you can't like, none of it's like a, a one-to-one, like, oh, it means this. But you can say like, oh, these are kind of like Yoruba words that mean this, or these are kind of like this language's words that mean this. But none of it, it's not like a perfect fit. Well, whatever it is, it was probably like a transliteration of whatever it was. And I think a lot of those Mardi Gras Indian calls were, they didn't know what it meant. They were repeating something, or maybe someone knew what it meant at some point, but then they were just... So there's oral, it's the oral repeat, tradition. Yeah, yeah, so they're repeating it, and they, they you know, the the pronunciation and things shift, and you don't, you're not necessarily saying it like it was said originally, right? Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That happened. I mean, with the uh, tradition, you know. So I don't know. It's interesting, though, you know. Um, but no, that's good. I mean, yeah, that's it's fun to read about if you want to look into like where all those, you know, the connection of those calls that we don't know what they mean and like, you know. Yeah, I like this little quote that he puts in here from the at the beginning of this article, uh, from nineteen eighty eight. They call us wild, the Mardi Gras Indians in New Orleans. It's just a little three things. There's never a dull moment in the streets where the Zulus and the Indians and the baby dolls live and play in the streets where every night is Saturday night. And that's like, that, okay, that, okay, I know it's basic and simple, but dude, that's from 1946. Well, that's, that's from three from, years before that's Louis from that, King of That's Zulu. from that uh, Gumbo Yaya book. Yeah. And it's like, which is interesting, right? And then they just kind of like went around and talked to different people in the city. And like uh, got their sort of oral histories. Pieced it was like together. part of the WPA kind of movement of documenting culture. Yeah, in the country and stuff too. Like that, that part was partially funded by that and all that. I mean, it's pretty neat. But yeah, yeah. This is like 1946. I can just imagine the. Di- I mean, what Mardi Gras was like. And oh man, it must have been. Yeah. I mean the cost, the outfits alone. You know, you, I see these, some of these old postcards and stuff. They're just like weird. Yeah, and I mean, I wish it was like a mm-hmm. little bit more back to that kind of. You know, and I mean, I know I like harp on the costume thing so much, but like too it, many, like, too many cookie cutter costumes. And well, all. cookie cutter, costumes, but there's also too many people just not costuming at all. And, like, I'd rather there be less parades or more bare-bones parades and everyone washing was in costume. Like, and that's, that's so much of the fun, and it actually is so much of what the tradition of the thing is about, you know? And Yeah, I, I never thought about that. Like, you, you really don't... I, I mean, I guess I didn't think about that. as like, you know, you costume a Mar- Mardi Gras day. Mostly I only, you know, maybe, maybe one other thing I might costume for, but... Yeah, you you don't really see people along the parade route uh, in costume. Well, I think it's actually a lot better than it was for a while. Like, I mean, I think of like even as a kid, it was better than it was for a while. Like even in like even in Metairie and stuff, people used to costume on Mardi Gras Day. Like e- almost everyone did. Like some people didn't, but those were like the fuddy duddies, right? Like, but most people at least tried in some kind of way. Yeah. But it was something that happened in the 90s where, I don't know, like, people were too, like, 
cool for it or too staid for it or something. Like it, it kind of got to the point where it was mostly only downtown for a while. And now it's back to being a little better. Like I think you do see people costuming uptown again, where for a while you, you a while it had almost died out uptown, right? Like for a while you almost never saw anyone costuming anywhere except downtown, right? Um, and I think it's actually a little better than it used to be, but but to me that's like such an important thing, right? And that's the fun of the day is it's like that's the point, right? You're supposed to be escaping from yourself right in some way right like it's a, it's a chance to be i mean yeah there's the community aspect to it but even in that sense it's kind of like escaping from yourself it's like you're putting on this role and you're playing this thing whatever you're deciding to play at being for that day yeah and that's why the city shuts down that's why all this stuff stops it's like all right we're gonna <clears throat> step out of our normal lives for a second I had a there's a cartoon that I found about this from like the 50s. Did you remember seeing that? And I, I think I have it upstairs in the loft. And it's like it's like the secretary at her desk, and she's imagining being like the flapper or like the 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 clown or the. And then there's another guy who's like working behind the bank, and he's imagining being this. But it's this idea that like they're think they're all thinking about. And it was like I think it ran like a week before carnival, so it was like everyone's thinking about. This is yeah, yeah, this yeah, is the yeah. time where we're at in Carnival, where everyone's starting to think about who they want to be on Mardi Gras Day. What do they want to be? Who do they want to be? You know, people think yeah, about it all year round. Be, but-, but also, even if it's just random, it's like to not be that thing that you are every day for one day. To just be like, you know, and I don't know. People do that with Halloween and stuff too, but it's not the same thing because it's not a whole day, and it's not where you've got the entire city in theory playing along with you right where everyone's playing the same game right like Mm -hmm. it's like you know which is different like halloween the city doesn't stop on halloween you can dress up and you can do stuff but the city doesn't stop but like mardi gras the city stops you know Uh, go try to eat out the day after mardi gras see what you see is open and you're not gonna find much like the si- everyone, like, that's the nice thing about it, right? And, I mean, other places still do it the way we used to do. And, I mean, I wish, maybe it's not as full as it used to be. But New Orleans still does it pretty fully, right? There's very few people. If you're not participating, you're probably getting out of town. Or you're working. Or, or maybe you're working. You might have to Maybe, work. but, I mean, that's rare. I mean, unless you're working at a bar, you're probably not working. Most restaurants... I mean, when I worked at Arno's, there were two days it was closed, ever. Mardi Gras Day and Ash Wednesday? Mardi Gras Day and, and the day a uh, New Year's Day, because you were there New Year's Eve until 3 in the morning. Yeah, New Year's Day, right. Right. So they were open on Christmas. They were open on Thanksgiving. They were open every other day of the year. Those were the only two days. I think now they, they're closed more often, but those were the only two days. Mardi Gras Day. New Year's Day, right? Every other day of the year, you're open, right? Um, because well, even Mardi Gras, I mean, a lot of restaurants are, are, are closed on Mardi Gras Day. I mean, some are open because they're making money, I guess. But, like, they, they're probably, if they're downtown and they're not a fancy restaurant, like, you know. Sure. Uh, yeah, something. Most yeah. places are just like, nope. Yeah. Because everyone wants to be part of it, right? The chefs want to be part of it. The owners want to be part of it. They don't want to be working on Mardi Gras Day. Yeah, that's an. I've thought about that. I thought about that too. Yeah, nobody wants to be working on Mardi Gras. I mean, they could be making money, but that's that thing. Like the money goes on the wayside for a second because it's like, yeah, we could, but it's not worth that much money. Like it's not in some ways. Like for most people in New Orleans, I think, even if you're normally a greedy motherfucker. Mardi Gras day, you're like, yeah, I want to make money, but I'd rather have fun. Yeah, I'm just thinking, like, would I trade? I'm just thinking, well, now that you're bringing this up, I'm thinking to myself, like, would I trade pushing a a sandwich cart or a hot dog cart around the French Quarter on Mardi Gras day for my time with my friends and family in New Orleans? No. Even if I, even if you say, okay, you have to work from 8 a.m. until until whatever, and I'll pay you $500. 
I, I would probably still say no. No, it'd have to be, it'd have to be like a lot of money, I think. <laughs> For you to give up your Mardi Gras day? Yeah. And I mean, I'm not talking like. <laughs> Thousand bucks? No, that wouldn't be enough. <laughs> that would be. Thousand bucks, not enough to give up your no. Mardi Gras day. Cause there is, it is the, it's the, it's the, it's the, it, you know, there is something interesting that you're touching on, this sort of anti-capitalist, anti, you know, like, 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 throw your cares aside and, but, like, a good Mardi Gras day... Join the crowd. A good Mardi Gras day is, like, nothing else you've ever experienced in your life, right? Uh, even a bad Mardi Gras day is, like, nothing else you've experienced in your life, right? Like, it's a it's one of the last vestiges in, the, in America. It still exists in a lot of places of what rituals used to actually be about. Because the whole society... Maybe not all of it, but enough of it is a wash in the ritual that you're performing. That changes it, right? It, you can't step out of it, really. I mean, you can if you like hide yourself away. But if you are walking out in the world on Mardi Gras Day in New Orleans, you can't avoid it. No. You know? You're part of that thing. You're there with everyone else in this day that's different from every other day of the year, right? And I don't think that can be said of anything else in America anywhere. I mean, it's not really, because it's, I, I mean, I can't think of any other thing in any other part of the country that's just as, like, and it's a full-on... Holidays are one thing, yeah. but Mardi Gras Day is a different it's thing. a full-on pagan ceremony. It's like a full-on... It is, yeah. The entire city in a pagan ceremony. All right, maybe we should read uh, one of these other ones. So we did a little research, and we found, other than our friend, our poet friend, Gina Ferraro, we, we found a few other ones that... A few other ones that we, we feel are worth reading. There's a lot of there's a lot of crap, okay, Mardi Gras poems. I mean, there's there. less Mardi Gras poems than you would think. But there's less than you would think. That's, um, that's, that's, that's the some, point. There's some. Uh, maybe we should read one of these Ed Sanders poems. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. You want to read one or you want me to read one? I kind of like this one preparing for Mardi Gras. Yeah, there we go. Read that one. Take maybe you can read one. the other one. or The Chuck Perkin ones is good, too. Oh, but because this is kind of what we were talking about. Preparing for Mardi Gras. This This is Ed Sanders. I cover myself in the cloth of the trickster. I cover myself in the cloth of shyness. I cover myself like the preacher in Hawthorne. I cover myself in the soul soothing vestments of King Goofitude and Queen Gone Eyes. I cover myself in the overplies of shame. I cover myself like an ode to duty, but more than all of that, I am covered with the silky meat of fun. Nice. That's that's pretty succinct and accurate. Yeah, that's, that's pretty like right costuming on. Costuming in a yeah, in a nice tight poem. <clears throat> Absolutely. That's 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 it's, again. Th- th- this is. What I think Ed is evoking, masking, I should say, is, I masking, suppose. yeah, is evoking in this is like the ritual of masking. That's what I was gonna yeah. say. The ritual yeah. of putting on the the garments and putting on the look and the feeling inside and well, preparing and, yourself and for the ritual. That's what I like about it that he said, like, because he's got these other things where, like, doing that in this artificial way calls attention to all the ways that you're kind of doing that all the time. That you don't mm. think about, right? I mean, that's what parts of that poem are about when he's like, uh, I cover myself in the cloth of shyness. or you know, It's like, well, you know, yeah, we're actively putting on this mask right now, this persona on this day. But by doing that, you realize or it brings to the forefront some of the masks you're always doing. And makes you realize they're masks where you don't think about it necessarily. Yeah. On a day-to-day basis, which is, you know, a nice thing about it. Definitely. Definitely. It's, 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 he's, he's like burning the incense and putting on the mask and doing the ritual and preparing for the day. You know. For the f- this, is, this is another one by Ed Sanders. I like this one a lot. This is, uh, this is another one that's definitely a Mardi Gras 
theme poem uh, titled uh, Costumes for the Full of Fun by Ed Sanders. <clears throat> Twain wrote an eagle letter to his sister Pam. I think that an American has not seen the United States until he has seen Mardi Gras. He went on to describe a young woman dressed as a Spanish chevalier with a sword and a silken mask on a prancing horse who tipped her hat to his gaze, and others dressed like that and this, fancy, splendid, ugly, coarse, ridiculous, grotesque, cone on mark, you know you like this, Rimbaud, parade, and its costumes. Why? Because of the geste un autre factor in this delirious delirium of escape, like a knight with pink lemonade and a Carl Hiasan novel. But why costumes? Why strutting? Why not? <laughs> sort of a conversation going on there. It's a conversation piece, yeah, you know? but he gets into a lot of important things. I mean, he's, he likes the costume part, I guess, but that's good. I mean, that's an important part. And it is like this connection to this past time, too, right? Definitely. Definitely a connect to another time. You know, it seems like he's what he's tapping into. What he's, what he's evoking is this idea that there's, you know, like if Mark Twain is saying this, right, that America has not seen the United States until he has seen Mardi Gras. And that that actually reminds me of that actually reminds me of of this. I once I once was I once was at this uh, this conference at uh, it was like a two or three day conference. It was it was it was, um, it was all about New Orleans ex- exceptionalism and their their key. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to address this Twain thing in the in, 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 in Ed Sanders poem. So their keynote speaker who they had the night. I can't remember who it was, okay? Yeah, this yeah. guy who had come in from out of town who was, I think, from New Orleans. He, he grew up here, but he was a lecturer, an international, um, international lecturer. And he came out, and, and, and remember, this is a conference on New Orleans exceptionalism, right? Yeah, yeah. And he came out, and he actually, he kind of ridiculed, and I don't think that the people who set, the, set this whole thing up, I don't know if they necessarily expected him to do this, but he came out and delivered the keynote, and he actually ridiculed the conference, saying that New Orleans actually isn't exceptional at all. It's it's just like the rest of the world, all you Americans. Because he was kind of well, like, yeah, he was kind of like, I mean, that's in a way, he, true. But it's like, but it's like, no, I mean, not the rest of the world, but but I mean, most of the rest of the world is closer to where we are than that's what America he, that's is, what his but, point his point was uh, is that new is that New Orleans is closer to the rest of the Western world. You know, world. like we've got these places, like I think than the rest of the United States was yeah, his point. The rest Does that of the make United sense? States Does that make sure. sense? Yeah, that was yeah, his point. Was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. New Orleans is exceptional in an American focused perspective, but if you take a worldview, but but like it but, changes. But it's funny, right? If I think about places that have a proper carnival still. You think about Brazil, or you think about here, or you think about even the places in France that still have proper carnival, or you think about the islands around the world that still have carnival. They're all places that have a larger cultural connection to their past than most countries in the world do. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I think those kind of ceremonies keep those things alive in the public memory, right? To allow that to happen, to allow yourself to have these times, which is how it's supposed to be, man. Like, that's bullshit. We're not supposed to be working 40 hours a week, (laughs) putting our entire life into productivity in that sort of way, right? Like, I mean, there's a place for those things, but that can't be everything, right? And that's what those ceremonies are supposed to remind you of. And they that that reverberates through the whole year. Anyone who lives in New Orleans, anyone who lives in Brazil, the way that they're interacting with work is different. Is different because those things echo through the rest of your year, right? They echo through the way you live your life on a day-to-day basis. And if they don't, man, something's really wrong. If you can't, if that doesn't have that effect on you, where where it 
goes through your whole life. And that's the power of those kind of ceremonies. That's the power of those kind of things. And that's true. I mean, I don't think it's true about the rest of the world, but I think it's more common in most of the world than it is in the U.S. In the U.S., like, it just is almost non-existent now. You know? Well, I, you know, I'm thinking about this whole idea of that uh, that concept, and I keep I keep envisioning these these people and these ideas that they're jumping out of their of their of their office life, and they're jumping into this other other realm of uh, understanding, and I, I I I or this this sort of thing, and I think about like you know on Mardi Gras Day how you you sort of have to approach the crowd as a child, you have to approach the crowd with wonder and awe, you know, again, you have to like allow yourself to see it again through different eyes. You know, when you're, yeah. At, Cause like, if you're all stuffy and you're like, and you're, and you're just like, I mean, and you walk into the crowd at St. Anne, you're, you know, I mean, look, look, I, I know you've done more Mardi Gras. This is like, I think 10. This is number 10 for me. And I think like, there have been Mardi Gras where I've, where I, where I haven't felt it, you know, and I, and, and, and or, or you fall, or, yeah. or, or, or yeah, maybe yeah, you, yeah. Fall, you feel it for some parts of the day and then you fall out of it for some parts of the day. And but all. I, but, I don't know about you, but I've also had Mardi Gras where I'm not feeling it, and I'm like, I'm going to go do this anyway, and as grumpy as I might be... It breaks you open. Yeah. And you fall into it. Yeah. yeah. You find it again. You find something, that thing again. Which would not happen on a normal day. No, it would not happen on a normal day. You know, because, you know, there's... Because every other day when you go walk over to Bud Rips, there's not a bunch of anarcho-fashionistas floating around. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just, it's a, it's a magical thing. And I mean, I, and, and, and it's not just like, and it's not, and as far as like, it's not just some hedonistic. There's a little bit of that. I mean, there is that. <laughs> I mean, not just, I'm not, but I'm saying it's not it. just that. There's like a real value to that of, of the rest of the year. And that's the thing. And that's why I think, you know, that's why. The Catholic Church embraced it, and all of it. They saw, even they saw the value in that. They're like, yeah, well, you know, let's get this, you know, let's get this well, you know, into our our little calendar. That's fine, you know. We'll just work it in. Mardi Gras Day is absolutely the most important day of the year in New Orleans and 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 Southern Louisiana, really. You know, and I think like um, yeah. I think like in other cities, it's it's. What is it? It's New Year's or it's Christmas or I don't even know what it is. In, in other cities, in, in the U.S., yeah. In other, what know, is no it idea. in other cities? You know, who knows? Who knows? But different cities maybe celebrate different things heightened more, and maybe there's things that are more festival-like things and events that happen in each little community around the country. But you know, um, even uh, remember for years and years, I was sending my mom last year's beads so that she could take them up to the Boy Scout troop and have their Mardi Gras party. Yeah, yeah, and they yeah. and they and the and the, the church really liked their Mardi Gras party, and <laughs> and they had the authentic beads from New Orleans at their Mardi Gras party. But they loved it, and they celebrated it. Look, they celebrated it the Saturday before but, Mardi Gras. But that's the thing, though. It's, you know? like, it's interesting, though, because even outside of New Orleans, even people who have never experienced it, it has a romance to it. And it's not just like it's part of it maybe is false, but it's not a totally false romance. It is like a callback to people wanting it's something that's missing from how our existence used to be that we get to still have. Right. Well and I think you're I mean, I think you're right talking about your guy at the other at, at the conference, like it does still exist in other countries in some places. Right, not everywhere, right? But it, it exists more in other countries. There's still things holding on to that than they're doing America. But in America, there's not too many things that hold on to that at all, and nothing in the same expansiveness as Mardi Gras does. And, and the, the sort of cult following yeah, is, is yeah. you know, the cult of Mardi Gras. <laughs> it's definitely cultish in a it's certain a cult, way. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Well, there's a few more pieces that I think we could, you know, I'd like to get uh, read uh, and present because there's two more really killer poems. I think if we have time. Well, we what should... was the other? Well, I mean, well, there's the there's the there's the Cadescru one, which I oh, think I forgot great. about that one. But yeah, there's yeah. the Chuck Perkins. Poem I like too. that Chuck Perkins one. Yeah, I forgot about the Cadescru one. And uh, I think I think this is a a, a sort of scaling poem. It, it, it addresses a lot of New Orleans pieces, but it's it's very Mardi Gras centric in yeah, New Orleans. I like that one a lot. New Orleans centric. So let me um. It's just it's uh it's New Orleans by Chuck Perkins. 
If your American dream is painted on a canvas neatly folded in the corner of Andy Warhol's mind, New Orleans is a hurricane beating down your coast. If you close your eyes and feel the easy ride of the St. Charles streetcar, where a solo tuba blows the scent of magnolia down narrow streets and everyone plays possum with the heat and no one's too big or too small to paint their tongue with a snowball, where former slaves pay homage to the first Americans by masking in suits of rhinestones and bright-colored feathers that transform security guards into Indian chiefs doing rain dances on Congo Square, where the drums drum and the wines drink and the big chiefs sing, somebody give me a quarter, cause pretty big chief wants some water. If you can envision the souls of yesterday living in the music that rises from the cracks in the sidewalks, New Orleans is your dream, with a heart as soft as the Spanish moss, dripping from centuries, old oak trees. She's pretty face with 30 feet, the good witch of Lake Pontchartrain, the spice god of shrimp and crawfish keeping the spirits fed, communities of windowless monuments masquerading as cemeteries tower above ground, no earth or worms to cover the flesh, no silver bullets to turn out the spirits that dance with her. Spin your umbrella and wave your bandana. It's Mardi Gras time, and everybody's happy. Armed with a blueprint of civilization, the new world stormed in with enough asphalt and cement to pave a boulevard back to Paris. The spirit of the swamp still hasn't submitted, leaving mildewed kisses of disapproval on everything foreign to the wetlands. Catholicism could not turn out the spirit of Marie Laveau. The wrecking ball could not turn out the spirit of Storyville. The death could not turn out the spirit of Louis Armstrong. And yesterday hangs on to forever. Tradition is a temple. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and, I mean, and that's that actually sums it up about, right? what we were I mean, talking really about does, like pretty you know? well, you know, in, in, in a single poem. That's good. Uh, you know, I, I where... And I like a uh, pretty face with dirty feet. Yeah, that, that's a good. That's about, uh, <laughs> you know, that's good. Yeah, it's a nice piece. It's it's it, it totally. I mean, it really it really kind of just. No, but that's funny. It nailed like, everything we said. And you know, and it's funny, like what Vincent's talking about, said. though. Like as far as Vincent saying, "How oh, it'd be so hard to write him," but like I think Chuck does a good job on that one. He hits a lot of the. Hits a lot of the obvious shit you'd think he'd hit. Yeah, but it's not true. But no, no, it's not. But he manages to like uh, unveil a little, sidestep bit. some of that, and um, and then and then put enough other interesting things in there that you kind of you, you kind of move around it, and it's all right, you know. Uh, it's good. I like that one a lot. Yeah, he really capsulates. You know, he really he really kind of encapsulates and that idea. Thing. Yeah, like at the end, like you know, yeah. The wrecking ball could not erase Storyville. That's right, man. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing about New Orleans, and I think it's about Mardi Gras, right? History does not hang on in that same way in other places in America that it does here. And I think Mardi Gras has something to do with that. I think Mardi Gras definitely has something to do with that. Absolutely. You go to somewhere, because it's you like, go to somewhere like Boston, spirit, and center. Boston is an old goddamn city, but it doesn't feel like it. Right, like that history has little effect on the city as it is now. Right, where in New Orleans, <laughs> that history is inescapable and it's around you all the time, and you can't, you know. Yeah. And it's it and in those weird ephemeral ways, like, man, how does something like Storyville still affect our culture? Oh, in a big way. Uh, but it does, right? But that's that's weird, and you know, like that's really strange. I really like that in the poem. Like, yeah, no, I mean, it's true. The wrecking ball is not, you know, like yeah, it's gone. But it was so much. We didn't lose that part of our culture just because it's gone, or right? like it's still the way that effect. I mean, the way sex is looked at in New Orleans compared to where it is anywhere else is still affected by that to this day, right? It is. And the way that the way that burlesque is such a big thing here is it, it's directly related to that history, I think. Yeah. You know, cuz the red light district paved its way to the Tango Belt, which paved its way to Bourbon Street. 
And that's in a nutshell. And there is almost a direct relationship to why New Orleans was more accepting of gay people than other cities. That wouldn't have happened without Storyville. Oh, I don't think it. No, I think I think you're right. Which is which is weird, right? Like it's a strange thing, but they're almost directly related. And that while they're yeah, well there, there's also the the jazz thing too, and how jazz was yeah. incorporated. Well, into yeah, it. well, I mean, yeah, and then you get the music connection to it too, and like yeah. yeah. And remember when Storyville was when Storyville was was active, it was the most racially diverse quarter mile yeah, anywhere I mean, in America. Been, yeah. Period. It, it is. It is part of the weird, different racial interaction in New Orleans than anywhere else, too. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and there was there was you know even even the guy related to, related to this something I happen to, to to know a little bit about is like even related to Storyville is like you know there was always this you know. You know we're different. We're kind of in a different. You know, and 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 the guys. You know, Tom Anderson of Storyville, and a few and a few of these um, other guys who were sort of the proprietors and and um, uh, proprietors and sort of like the, the 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 gatekeepers of Storyville. Do you know about this the ball that they did in 1896? It was the the ball of the two extraordinary well dressed gentlemen. <laughs> Do you know about this? No. <laughs> <laughs> the two extraordinary well-dressed gentlemen. It was a ball in Storyville that happened. Right. And and I think like as the fable. as the story goes is um what happened was is um there was a whole group of rich uptown women. Uh-huh. Because because the the ball of the two extraordinary well-dressed gentlemen was kind of like the crew de vue of 1896. Which crew de vue was kind of like fuck you uptown. You know, I mean cuz kind of like they yeah, yeah, yeah. they started it in a way so it was, it was a different Type of parade, right? All handmade yeah, floats. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a big thing, and they kind of make fun of the big parades a little bit in their scale. And so, yeah, I mean, they were coming off of tradition of some other crews would yeah. do the same. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. I guess the thing was okay. It wasn't a float parade, but it was at the ball, you know. Yeah. And I guess the, as the story goes, if I remember correctly, there's there's this story about how there all these rich uptown women were really, really, really wanted to go to this ball. But it was in Storyville, and they couldn't go to Storyville because no upstanding woman of her right <laughs> mind would ever be caught yeah, in Storyville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they all masked up and went to Storyville <laughs> for this ball at Anderson's in 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 you know in eighteen ninety six. Oh, that's the power of the mask again. So they masked up. And once and they you got went a mask ball, on, it's fine. <laughs> they went to the ball. And they got they masked up and they went to the ball. Well, the ball got raided by the police, <laughs> and they demasked everybody. And all these uptown women were at the ball. And, and it was like, oh shit, you know? So instead of arresting them all, because it would have been the scan, it would have been like the yeah, scandal yeah, yeah. of the century, you know? I think they just called all their husbands to come pick them up and sent them on their way or something like that, you That's know? That's funny. It was like this, you know? This like 1896 weird, crazy thing that went down. It was like, oh, that's funny. An, that's pretty another funny, funny thing, man, right? Well, I think Halloween is also true. But it's illegal to wear a mask most any other time of year. It is because of what robbing bank robbery and criminal criminal. Well, it's all kind of criminal activities. But Mardi Gras you can do it legally. Although what there was that whole group of people last year. What? Who took advantage of that. Oh what what happened? Well you know how you ever go you ever go down to Claiborne for Mardi Gras Day? Right, to see Zulu? Not, well, yeah, but you know they've got all the like they'll have like the bounce concerts set up sure. under the overpass. Under the, under the overpass yeah. But you've also got this thing of all these people on their dirt bikes and motorcycles sure. like running by. Well, some of those people last year <laughs> decided they were like it's Mardi Gras, we can wear masks, and they got on their dirt bikes and their motorcycles and they went and blocked the way out of the city. Really? And we're like shooting at me <laughs> and stuff. No way! I didn't know about any of that. That's crazy. Uh, no, the trial just came up recently. You know, they're the finally tr- they're finally like trying some of these people, but it was like you know it's funny. They were like taking advantage of, of the fact that you could be wearing a mask legally, right? And so they thought they would get away with it, but of course they were not that smart, and they had been seen earlier in the day wearing the same outfits and riding the same bikes. So the police still figured it out, but. <laughs> 
God. Not a pleasant part, but you know, some people take advantage. That's how it goes always. Um, I don't know. Well, maybe. I mean, we talked about a lot of Mardi Gras stuff here. Maybe we should close out with with sounds good with Andre's poem here. Yeah. I'm going to try to not read it in Andre's voice, which I think anytime I read his poems, I'm tempted to like <laughs> put on that accent. <laughs> New Orleans Art for Wall Street by Andre Cordorescu. I was the most hungover man in the world when I first attempted to make this work in praise of New Orleans for the consumption of Wall Street. I was, to put it mildly, hungover but by no means either the most hungover now or the most hungover in the past. In fact, no one can compare the hangovers of today with the epic hangovers of yesteryear that in their splendid massiveness rivaled all the hangovers of the ancient world from Babylon to Sodom. Given such hangovers, it's a wonder, a true wonder, that this city rose from the swamp and held up under tropical storms only less violent than the guts of lyric citizens. I humbly admit to having only a midget hangover compared to those colossi, and when I say that I attempted to make a work, I mean I only thought of making a work, without actually putting pen to paper until later, which is now. And when I say in praise of New Orleans, I must qualify that praise with the deep wariness of one who has praised before and felt quite insecure on account of it and suffered guilt, which is a form of a hangover. Therefore, I have resolved never to praise except accidentally when carried away by emotions too great to deconstruct. For instance, this thing last Mardi Gras with the dancer and the nurse and Laura and the Gnostics and the brand new manuscript of my phenomenal new book and all the feathers floating around in the whole street on X dancing in front of Cafe Brazil. I hate crowds, if you must know. But that was praiseworthy. So here it is. And when I say that I wrote this for the consumption of Wall Street, I am fully aware that Wall Streeters consume no poems, no matter how titillating or praiseworthy, and that this whole exercise is art, which is to say something you'll forget as soon as I say so and say so. Pay up first. <laughs> Pretty good. Back to the anti-capitalist. Back to the anti-capitalist. <laughs> Mardi Gras again. Mardi Gras thing. All right. That's a good one, Andre. All right. Well, you know, uh, next next week, Mardi Gras it, carnival season is kicking up big time. It's the big weekend before Mardi Gras. It is. Uh, we're going to put something out somehow. Maybe we'll. But, um, yeah. you know, maybe if you're not in a place that celebrates Mardi Gras. Find some way to get into that spirit a little bit. Yeah, I think I think uh, everyone maybe you know has it going on a little bit. I remember growing up, my my tradition. I have one tradition that my family did on Fat Tuesday. Every every Fat right, Tuesday, <laughs> we we made we made my mom would make starting first thing in the morning. She'd make punch keys. And, All right, and punch keys were were little fat little donuts. And, yeah, and yeah. She yeah. had a little donut. I mean, she would make them at home, and nice. and they were she she would make this uh, donut batter, and there was a special little like um like a like a you know like a like a waffle iron like a waffle cone when you get at the carnival. Yeah, yeah. Dip yeah. it in the batter, then put it in the fryer. She had this special thing where it was like she was cutting out the dough and then and then it, with this little cutter and then dropping them in the pan. And we we always had these little donuts covered in um. Uh, covered in uh, powder sugar. Powder sugar, yeah, yeah. And, and and I don't know. It came from the Polish side, but it was definitely. I was going to say that sounded Fat Tuesday Polish tradition. Punchy, yeah, Punchki was a Fat Tuesday. Well, but tradition. I think there are Fat Tuesday other traditions. But, but yeah, we, for but, sure. But and I don't know where this came from. But my mom called it Punchki Day. Punchki Day. That's yeah, nice. Was, I like that. So that was our little thing. It was every every so, every know. every Fat Tuesday. Yeah. Can't go out in costume. But I think that'd be funny if you just were like working at an office job and you just inexplicably showed up in costume <laughs> on Mardi Gras Day. That'd be great. But you know, yeah, eat some punchkeys. Um. So <laughs> we got to go work on a poem now. A car- yeah, a yeah, carnival, yeah, yeah, A carnival poem. So we'll uh, we'll see you next week. See y'all again next week. Thought I heard, but it bold and sad. 
you nasty but you're dirty take it away you're terrible you're awful take it away i thought i heard him say i thought i heard the buddy bold and shout open up that window and let that bad air out open up that window and let that foul air out yes i thought i heard buddy bold and say 